Hello, this is Brian Chilton, President of Bellator Christi Ministries. In this topsy-turvy world, many ministries have found themselves focused on a variety of issues and have thusly watered down their focus and vision of the ministry. We at Bellator Christi want to remain focused on the calling and vision that God has given us since starting back in 2012. That is why we are implementing what we call the three nons of Bellator Christi. The first non is that we are non-denominational. We have members of our team from various denominational backgrounds, including Southern Baptist, Assemblies of God, Evangelical Free, Church of Christ, non-denominational, amid many other backgrounds. At Bellator Christi, we are focused on the core essential doctrines of the Christian faith rather than the somewhat often myopic lens that many denominations use. Secondly, we are non-political. We believe that it is the right of every citizen to be involved in the political endeavors of their community, of their state, and their nation. However, many organizations and ministries have taken up that mantle and focused upon it therein. We at Bellator Christi want to focus on the kingdom of God and the triune God as we believe that God holds the answers to our nation's woes. This does not mean that we will not occasionally discuss issues and politics that cross over into the philosophical and theological world, but rather we will not endorse any political candidate or party as we are focused on the kingdom of God. Lastly, we are non-Calvinist. We at Bellator Christi hold to the non-Calvinist perspective. While the official position of our ministry is devoted to the Molinist interpretation, we have members of our team from various non-Calvinist mindsets. As such, we, we use non-Calvinistic interpretations in our theology and classical and evidential approaches in our apologetic systems. While we find ourselves needing to narrow our focus, our mission at Bellator Christi remains the same. As we take up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics, and enter into the arena of ideas. Taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of apologetics while taking truth into the arena of ideas. You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your hosts, Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo, as we enter into the arena of ideas. Coming to you from Ronan, Montana and Pilot Mountain, North Carolina, this is the Bellator Christie Podcast. This is uh, Season 5, Episode 4, as we're talking about uh, the philosophical implications of NDEs. And the Word of the Lord comes today from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. and says that, He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, We've been praying for you. 
Um, last week I wasn't able to join in with Brian, but uh, um, he handled it very well and did, <laughs> did good things on his own. <laughs> kind of like a reminiscent thing. So yeah, let's go I was, ahead and welcome I was on Brian. I was partying with all my friends. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> brought brought it back to like old school. <laughs> That's good stuff. Yeah. So hey, uh, you want to go ahead and introduce? We got a new member for Bellator Christie. That's. Uh, Pretty big thing. Yeah, so including myself, we're now up to seven people on the Bellator Christie team. And so uh, we're excited to uh, welcome on with us Tony Williams. Uh, he is joined as our seventh contributor uh, to the team. Uh, so, Tony, a little bit about him. Uh, Tony, is uh, he has a lot in common with Jay Warner Wallace. In fact, it makes you think a lot of Jay Warner Wallace. Uh, he is now serving in his 20th year as a police officer in in a in a city in southern Illinois, and he's been studying apologetics in his spare time for two decades since having a crisis of faith, uh, which led him to the discovery of the vast and ever increasing evidence for for the Christian faith. Uh, he received a bachelor's degree in in uh, university studies from Southern Illinois University in 2019, and his career in law enforcement. Uh, it provides him a lot of insight into the concepts of truth, evidence, confession, testimony, cultural competency, he says, morality, and most of all, the, the compelling need for Christ in the lives of the lost. And then eventually, he says he hopes to plan to pursue uh, postgraduate studies to sharpen his skills. But uh, Tony is a great guy. You know, he again, uh, he is a lot like, uh, has a lot in common with Jay Warner Wallace, who is himself a cold case homicide detective for the LAPD. And so, um, yeah, Tony, Tony's our newest contributor. I think, uh, I think you're really going to enjoy his stuff. He's bringing that, to, just as you do, Curtis, that common sense approach to life and Christianity, and that's something that's so valuable and incredibly needed in our time. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to have to get him on the podcast and um, maybe even just ask him about his years of years of service and, and the things that he's uh, seen and done. And, you know, um, it always intrigues me when I, when I visit with, with friends that are, uh, that are in the police department or um, are in law enforcement in general, um, whether it be with the fishing game or with uh, uh, with actual police work, department work, it intrigues me how it, you you just watch their behavior and watch what they see and and just ask them, what are you looking at right now? What's what's going on? And it's always it always makes me it, it intrigues me. Like I said, that they they look at the world differently. Mm. Yeah, differently than the normal person. They see things that are not what the normal person would see, and uh, good or bad, you know. And so uh, it'd be interesting to 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 just sit and sit down and have a conversation with them and, and visit with them about his his uh, well his two decades of uh, service. That's great. Yeah, and and from what TJ tells me, he's a highly decorate, decorated uh, police officer as well. I mean, he's he's won awards for us his service in uh, law enforcement as well. Uh, but it's interesting you mentioned something about people in law enforcement looking at things differently. You're absolutely right. I've, I've had some friends in law enforcement through the years, and it's interesting. If you go to a restaurant with them, they will not yep. sit with their back to the door. They're usually yeah. facing the door, facing an entryway, uh, because yeah. you've got to have, I guess, that almost like that sixth sense, you know, that guard dog type of mentality where yeah. you you got to, 
which makes sense. I mean, e- even now, it kind of uh, after being around some law enforcement friends, uh, it kind of makes me feel funny if I sit with my back to the door. <laughs> I mean, what am I going to do? Throw yeah. a cheese yeah, at them? I mean, but it's a. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what I'll do. Doodle. Just throw a cheese doodle or a donut at him or something. But I guess that's something. But my goodness, oh jeez, yeah, you couldn't throw the fork or the pepper or this, you know, pepper in their eye or nothing, huh? You couldn't do that. Well, you could just aim the yeah. cheese doodle just right, getting the pupil around, get that cheese dust in there. Maybe. Oh my goodness, I've been cheesed. <laughs> So they could technically yeah. call themselves a cheesehead at that time. <laughs> my goodness. But Aaron Rodgers, uh, oh, my goodness, he's in heat again. Oh, my goodness, that poor fella. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I haven't watched I haven't watched a single game. Um, I just I, I kind of just have lost all interest in, in watching football this year and just, eh, whatever. I so. understand. To each their own. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's hard to get that yep. cheese off my head, you know, because I. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. So, last week you had episode three that you were going over, and those were the the objections of the NDEs, or you know, and and so what was interesting was last week when you were when you were talking about it, um, you'd made mention about some of these um uh some of these objections and and when i was listening to it I, I i i came up with a question and we might be going off of our out of our order of our questions no, here, but, but i i kind of had a thought on my question was the people that maybe object more to the uh the ndes seem to be more more of a, a, I guess you could say, a theological presuppositional idea, or 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 set in their ways that that God can't work in these parameters, um, and so they classify it in in they classify it towards the 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 devil or to you know towards towards Satan, um, and what I found interesting, Brian, was that. Didn't the Pharisees themselves say to Jesus, "You know, you're doing the work of Beelzebub"? Yeah, and they, they and did. Remember, he says, "Yeah, remember," and he says, and he says very, very clearly, "A house divided against itself will not stand." You know, um, if I'm doing the work of the devil, how can I cast out the devil? You know, and and so what I find interesting is. There, there becomes a ideology where we, where we stop putting, or stop allowing God to work. We put an ideology in front of God's sovereignty and God's movement and God's reaction and work in in the world, and and we view it through that rather than viewing it through, can God do anything or can God still do this stuff? We we look at it differently. In those eyes, am, am, I, am I making sense of what I'm asking? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think that some of this comes from a um, a viewpoint that God no longer works in certain ways. Um, <laughs> my mind just went blank. You, you, with continuationism, uh, and what was the other one? My mind went blank. <laughs> It's not coming to me. We have the idea, you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm getting at, the idea that God no longer works in certain ways, in certain fashions. Mm-hmm. And so um, 
anyhow, I think that's probably more problematic for for individuals. But even then, it shouldn't be the case because if you know, there, there are many people who hold that perspective who would who would say cessationism. That's what the word I was looking for. Uh, there are many cessationists who would say that uh, that 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 who would hold to the soul survival. In fact, I dare say they're more soul survivalists and cessationism than 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 others. So t- even then, it doesn't make sense. Um, but I honestly think that part of this may not necessarily even deal with cessationism. I think a lot of this has to do with fear. Um, it seems like, and this is what I've come across, that even with genuine Christians, there still seems to be a sense where we hold that cultural aspect of our faith we, we go to church because it's the thing we're supposed to do. We read the Bible because it's the thing we're supposed to do. But when but one thing the NDEs do is they bring to our realization that the afterlife, God, the things that we're taught that the Bible talks about are really true. And and I think sometimes people come at the Bible as if it's a comic book story or if it's a novel of some sort, but they don't really grasp the fact that, that there is genuinely a God and there is genuinely uh, a, a Savior awaiting us on the other side and there's genuinely a heaven, there's genuinely a Holy Spirit. And then the one thing about these NDEs is it makes those things very realistic to us. Yeah. And so I yeah. think for some people... Who may not have, who may believe and they may be very genuine in their faith, but it's difficult for them to go that extra step and realize, hey, you know, maybe this stuff actually is reality, and and it can be scary for folks. Yeah, if that makes sense. And I, absolutely, and I, I, when when you were saying when you were talking about how um they're attributing it to you know could be attributing it to um the demonic realm and so on and so forth i'm like well you know satan's doing a terrible job with this because all he's doing is driving people to god and it's it's like if if we kind of if one yes it's a serious business but if we take it with a little bit more of a light heart or light mind we kind of see the the comedy in it if <laughs> if a person says this is happening because of you know the demons or what have you it it sure seems like at some point the demonic realm would be like stop doing it because <laughs> it's driving people away you know we want to and <laughs> you know so it, it it doesn't flow in our chart here, guys. Our pie graph is actually starting to <laughs> starting to change because, you know, I mean, so there's there's just it, it to me. It's if it isn't of God, then what is it? That that's a good because question because, it, and and the and the thing is, is that. Jeffrey Long, who has the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation, the NDERF.org, I think it is. The website's still up, and you can go check it out. They're still doing research. When he wrote the book, it was up to 1,300 NDE cases around the world. Now it's almost 4,000 across the world. That's incredible. I mean, the reports keep pouring in. So it's, uh, it's more than doubled what it was when he wrote the book. And and the thing that he mentions is that the vast majority of these cases of individuals 
they view life differently. They have a closer relationship with God. For many of them, they have a closer relationship with Jesus. There is a closer kinship with the Creator after this. This is the exact opposite thing that the devil, as you mentioned, the devil would do. Uh, if if this is the devil, <laughs> like what you mentioned, that there should be red alerts going on in hell saying, "Hey, we got to stop this. We got to stop it right now. Whoever's doing this, you need to quit it." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's like it's kind of like kind of like you go back to that um, back in the day. You and I remember it, but remember the remember the singer Carmen? Oh, absolutely. Right. right. So when we. <laughs> When he's when he's going through the one where he's in a the, the little uh, demon minion is is uh, going through his his flow chart, you know, <laughs> talking to Satan. Well, this is working great, and this is working great. I mean, you know, if they're going to have that kind of meeting somewhere along the line, he's going to say, "Dude, we need to stop that because we're losing." You know, it, might have the countdown I mean, going on like we had in yeah. other songs. Oh man, I love that song. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, but anyway, yeah. So. It, it it just in it just made me kind of chuckle when you said that because it's like yeah how true how true is that he's doing a terrible job <laughs> and, and you know the one thing I find interesting and this might not be an objection or or not a an objection you could say but but it seems like the people's experiences seem to be. Mm, not necessarily all the same. They're not like exactly the same, but they be, seem to be similar, right? But but those that are objecting it, it seems like they discount the similarities there are. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Well, I, you know, I think it's 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 kind of like uh, you know cherry picking the stuff that you don't like. I mean, it's it's trying to shoot holes in in with the differences. But he, here again is where we remember we had the ask and now in the acrostic ask, right? And we'll probably right. need to go back over that before we you know move on to the to the next section. But um, but we have to understand if you're talking about eternal. Truths. You're talking about a place that's transcendent, that's beyond the scope of space and time, beyond the scope of anything we know here on Earth. You're going to have to use analogies to describe what you see. Um, You're right. And I think Jesus does the same thing. That's why he uses parables. That's why... um, that's why you see in the book of Revelation, John uses these different metaphors to describe the things he saw. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, as I tell everybody when I'm teaching through a Bible study in Revelation, you, know, you see the seven horns. Seven is a number of perfection. Horns was a symbol of strength. That means perfect strength. Did he literally have seven horns? No, but that's just a metaphor describing a, a particular truth. So I think you see the same thing when people try to describe these heavenly experiences. Some people may compare angels to butterflies. Does that mean that they're really butterflies? Well, no, but that's the best thing they can compare them to. And so I think, you know, I think there's more than sufficient evidence to, as we've gone through and described, that uh, the NDEs are, are legitimate things. Right. Yeah. Hey, let's let's go ahead and since you mentioned it, let's go ahead and mention or uh, review that um, ask acrostic. acrostic. Yeah, so when 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 evaluating NDEs, you know, just ask ASK, and the first thing is analogies. And as we just mentioned, remember that each person will use analogies to describe the things they see. 
I mean, how do you describe timelessness? How do you describe feeling pure, unadulterated expressions of divine love? How do you, even in a corporeal world as we, in which we live, describe spiritual, ethereal truths? Uh, how do you describe colors that we can't see? You have to use analogies to describe those things. And even then, the analogies fail at times. Uh, so that's the first thing we have to keep in mind when we study NDEs. The second one is scriptural priority. And when looking at these encounters, remember that each person is looking at the experience and translating the experience through the lens of their own worldview. And so um, what we have to do is we have to keep the teachings of Scripture as as prioritize that uh, we had to prioritize right. the, te- the yes. teachings of scripture and then tr- translate those experiences through the lens of scripture rather than the opposite and then and then k of ask is to keep necessary points and here again i i, I give the analogy of eating fish if you eat uh, fried flounder or something like that you know you're going to eat the meat and you're going to spit out the bones and so there may be cases where there may be some squirrely things we find in some stories, but there may be some evidential value to uh, some of these things. And so uh, instead of throwing the baby out with the bathwater, keep what is necessary. And uh, I am cracking Curtis up. <laughs> I think it started with the squirrely. <laughs> just, just, I mean, if somebody, if, if an alien happened to be listening to us right now and you're talking about eating flounder and, and the squirreliness of things and oh my goodness um yeah just i mean just, just the stuff that we're talking about we're using these things you and i understand and a lot of our listeners understand but dang it would sound really funny if somebody was listening in right now so so, so. you know, see that's what goes to the analogy part so. <laughs> right <laughs> yeah there you go yeah. So maybe they, oh, they maybe goodness. they need to try some down home good fried fried flounder, <laughs> catfish oh, or goodness. something like that. <laughs> yeah. Nothing beats a good f- well, cat, f- fish catfish fry. Catfish is pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Catfish is pretty good. Flounder is probably one yeah. of my favorites though. Uh, that and whitefish. Uh, the the uh, we've got a type of fish running called whitefish, or some people call it that. Real meaty type of fish. It's good. Need to have a fish huh. fry. I'm craving fish now. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. See, we, we have trout up around here. and Oh, trout. Um, you got to love trout. Trout's a lot of good people, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, trout's good good stuff. It, it's got a little bit more of a, um, you could say kind of like almost a salmon-y type flavor to it, you know, compared yeah, to um, some of the other stuff, you know. But, yeah, like you're saying, a good fish fry. And, you know, cook, uh, cook the Cook it up in some bacon, uh, bacon grease. Oh and, man, you talking about uh, onion? Put put some onions on it. And well, see, it I can't the have the onions. Some... It'll blow me up. Like make me look like I'm nine months what? pregnant. <laughs> no, just the, for the flavor. <laughs> it does me. I don't know why. It's my digestive system. Oh, my I just have oh, to scrape goodness. the onions off and just eat the fish. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There's another anyway. analogy. Eat, eat the meat and scrape <laughs> off the onions. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. So, how do NDEs serve as evidence for God's existence, then? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm still caught up on the onions. And <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, if NDEs are true, then the numerous encounters that people have with God further serve as evidence for His existence. Um, 
so for instance, what was the let, let me go back here and look. What was the percentage of people of the 1300 cases um do you think that number is actually greater than that? I, I think now it um, probably is. I think that the because the, this was this was done when they had thirteen hundred cases. I think by adding, it's close to four thousand now. I, I about bet that percentage is higher. So even here with thirteen hundred cases, sixty five percent of people, sixty five percent of the thirteen hundred people saw something they they compared to be God. Um, that's incredible. If you think about that, mm-hmm. that's an incredible number of people who all saw uh, the divine. And you know, one thing I was going to point out. It seems to me, like all the way back through history, if you read books and and things like such, when people talk about. Um, their experience dying or whatever, they always talk about go towards the light. Mm-hmm. You know? So, if if we talk about that, this that may have been a out-of-body experience or it may be a, a, a something they're describing that is within that realm. We transfer from this realm to the heavens or the, the other realm. You know? So, mm-hmm. There again, the only thing they can explain or the only words they can use are the things that are within the world that we function. We can't yeah. describe something that's outside of the world we function in. So if it's, you know, go towards, you're, you're going towards the light. You know, I feel like I'm going towards the light. Or you talk to people, they say they have had dreams where, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're falling or they're going into darkness or they've been basically scared to a point that when they wake up or come back they they make life changes that that steer them in a different direction so so i did the math just right quick i did the math that's 845 people worldwide who when they died saw a divine the divine being a light and and to add to what you said when you look at the Bible's theophanies, and these, these are manifestations of God's presence on earth, mm-hmm. God normally comes, the manifestations normally come by by clouds, smoke, fire, or light, or a combination. But more times than not, there's a light involved. Because remember, when Paul saw... Uh, Paul saw... <laughs> When Paul saw Jesus on the road to uh, Damascus, he saw the bright light, you know, and that light blinded him, in fact. And so, um, here again, this isn't surprising. When you see Ezekiel, you see the book of Revelation. God is, uh, he, he is, he displays a brilliant light and people interesting thing people say that this light is the brightest light they've ever seen but yet somehow it doesn't hurt your eyes and i think that's probably because of the of this this soulish soulish vision that people have uh, in 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 the uh, disembodied state it's hmm. interesting and, and paul when he when he talks about when he went into the quote-unquote third heaven you know he 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 says I know this man that went into the third heaven. He he doesn't want to necessarily say that it was him, but but you can 
you can deduce from from reading it that he's just wanting to not bring glory to himself he's wanting to bring glory to god but he's saying that there's things there that are things that are in the third heaven that that are are unlawful and he doesn't mean that they're illegal by unlawful what he means is that he doesn't have words for them they're things that he can't even explain so they wouldn't even be um it wouldn't even be right for him to be even try to explain them or to to give definition of them Oh, yeah. And he even gives a hint, because he says in verse 5, I will boast about this person, because he's talking about himself <laughs> in the third person. I will boast about this person, but not about myself, except of my weaknesses. And so he goes into talking about asking in this experience, perhaps even in this experience, that he that he uh, pleaded with the Lord three times to remove whatever weakness it was he has, and then Jesus mm-hmm. says, my grace is sufficient to you. So that could very well have been part of the same NDE encounter that he had, when he went to the third heaven, mm-hmm. that he's asking is he's mm-hmm. is when he returns, can he have this weakness removed? And and he says, uh, "My grace is sufficient to you for you." Now, mm-hmm. well, when we talk about third person stuff, all I can think of is that Seinfeld uh, skit where they were talking about uh, the Jimmy loves his shoes and. <laughs> He kept talking about Jimmy does this and Jimmy does that, and he's like, "Who's Jimmy?" Well, Jimmy is the guy that's saying it, and he's just <laughs> so yeah. So George starts saying something else. So well, isn't oh that the, isn't that the uh, SNL skit about Bob Dole? And Bob Dole actually uh, he he <laughs> adopted that. In fact, uh, what was it? He was writing to uh, the guy who played. Oh, his name would lose me. The the guy who played Bob Dole on SNL, and then uh, he wrote to the family and said something about Bob Dole sends his condolences. To- <laughs> <laughs> He's a good sport. <laughs> uh, yeah. So what's interesting though is there's a common thread that you continually see through these things, and God speaking through these common threads bringing glory to himself, drawing people to him, giving people, I don't want to say a second chance, but potentially a second chance, really, but but showing them that there is something else. Now, question, were these people that had these NDEs, were they people that were solid believers, or were they people that, that really um, had questions in about the afterlife you know from from what i can gather th- there's no rhyme or reason to it there, there are people mm-hmm. from every ilk every walk imaginable and in fact in i actually picked up jeffrey long's book uh the one who who has the near-death uh, near-death experience research foundation and he said they even went back because they wanted to make sure that uh, in some of the research, they wanted to make sure that people were not just copying things that they had heard other people say about NDEs. So they went back to some cases in the 70s before everything became popularized about NDEs, and from the 70s even past then, and interviewed people about uh, or, or looked at already recorded cases that had already been preserved, and they saw the same type stuff, the same type stuff before NDEs was ever even popularized, in popular society. Um, so it, it happens to all kinds of different people. And I think for for the believer, the strong believer, it gives them further confidence 
in their faith. Mm-hmm. For the one who may be a weak Christian, it does the same. It gives them a stronger boldness to go forth proclaiming their faith uh, even more so. Uh, and for the skeptic who may have been given a second chance, um, they are given the opportunity to get their lives right for, with God because you hear so many skeptics say, well, if only i seen Jesus myself, or if only i seen God, or if only i seen heaven, then I would believe. Well, who are we to say that this isn't God's way of doing just that? Because as we mentioned, as we mentioned, and also, by the way, I found out that this is actually Gary Habermas's response to the same question, too. The thing we have to remember is that in near-death experiences, the people don't stay dead. Would the unbeliever have had the same experience if they died and stayed dead? No, they wouldn't have. They'd had a completely different experience. So this is even an evangelistic right. way uh, of of reaching out to individuals to say, "Hey, you know, I'm reaching out to you. I want you to come here. I'll get your life right." <laughs> we could do it a different way, God. <laughs> And there are some people, let's just mention this, I don't think we, we mentioned this much on the, in the previous podcast, there are quite a few people who have hellish experiences too. Um, we, we didn't really talk about that, but there, there are people who have those type of encounters as well. It's interesting because I think this, has been, this phenomenon has been going on a lot longer than we know. Than oh, absolutely. And, you know, as far as keeping track of, because think about, you know, the story of, and I don't want to make make the NDEs a fable, but think about the story of the Scrooge, you know, yeah. of, you know, it, it, he shows them what would, what would your life be? Oh, and there's another case for Molinism. <laughs> um, what would your, what would your life be if you did this or if you chose this, you know? These are what you would have. This is what it would be, you know. Um, that's interesting because, you know, if you think about that, that's uh, even though it was in a dream state, that would be a similar experience um, in that way. Yeah, and you have to kind of wonder if, if maybe even with the great world religions, I mean, the majority of world religions have some type of concept of an afterlife. Um, mm-hmm. What gave people this notion? I mean, with the Judeo-Christian you know, worldview, we know that it came from revelation of God. But we do know that there were some people who had these encounters, like Paul we mentioned. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I, I'm not entirely convinced that John didn't have a type of NDE when he saw the revelation on the Isle of Patmos. I, I think it's very possible that he did have some type of an NDE experience when that happened because he talks about his spirit was taken up to such and such place well that could very well mean that he had uh, an encounter like that Um, Mm -hmm. you know it may be in some of these visions you know these visions are not dreams dreams are something completely different and it may be that uh, what makes these things different is the fact maybe some people are having these type of encounters I mean it's, it's hard to say but in other worldviews, there are similar viewpoints of, of an eternity, and so they had to come from somewhere, and so it makes you kind of wonder, well, maybe it came from some of these these events and these stories that people, these encounters that people had. Interesting. Yeah. So, 
Do NDEs serve as evidence for an afterlife then? Oh, absolutely. I don't see any way that they don't. Um, if, if NDEs are true, then they provide solid evidence that life continues after death. Um, the, the heavenly encounters only provide a foretaste of heaven, and, and that, this is going to go answer another question we're going to talk about. But especially when you, when you compile the objective evidence together, there is just no other way of answering the questions. Now, as we mentioned, you know, one of the objections is that people will talk about um, inducing medicine into the mind or electrical impulses into the mind to create a false NDE. And what those things do is they may prov- provide a, a sense of euphoria. You may see lights. You may see things of this nature. But you don't have the lucid experiences that people have with NDEs, you don't have the objective type of evidence that can be provided by hearing conversations that people have and are and are validated by the people there in rooms down the hallway or or flying up on the third floor of of a hospital and seeing a blue shoe in a in a very obscure location and you know the the it goes on and on those type of things don't happen. I mean, what what essentially ha- what essentially happens chemically wise is a person has something comparable to what a what um, a drug user would have with an acid trip. That's what they right. essentially have, and they call that an NDE. Right. They're, they're completely no, no, no. two different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, like in um, I, I, in uh, Craig Keener's book. Um, of miracles, he, he talks about in NDEs. He talks about um, this case where this gal, um, and I might be, I don't, I, I'm going to be basically paraphrasing and shorting it down for just the conversation. But he talks about this gal who, when the doctors were trying to use this machine, they couldn't get the machine to work. Well, they just attributed it to the machine actually being broke, um, and they went and grabbed another machine. And um, when she came back after they were able to revive her when she came back she said the reason that machine didn't work is because you had it it's not it's not plugged in (laughs) and a a nurse actually went and checked to find to look go back and look at it and and to the surprise of the nurse it wasn't plugged in see there's no way a person can know something like that uh, right. I mean, it, with a chemical reaction, an acid trip, there's no way a person can know that. I mean, in verifying, right. I mean, in, in another thing to me, I think one of the one of the most incredible pieces of evidence is the fact that you have people born blind mm-hmm. or individuals who may have seen and went blind who have these vision visions and can relate things that actually happened in the in room where they were. Color. In vivid yeah. color, in vivid yeah. descriptions, verified yeah. by people in the room, yeah. and when they return back, they're retested, and they still can't see when they return. There is absolutely no way in the world that right. any type of hallucination or um, acid acid uh, trip yeah. could ever ex- explain that. Right. Right. Yeah, it's 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 interesting to me how. Um, some of the objections really are are very superficial. Yeah. You know, without without a lot of deep evidence. So, 
Interesting. So how can NDEs help us defend the immaterial soul? Well, NDEs, um, they, they show that we are more than just our bodies. Now, I don't want to go the route of Gnosticism and say that our bodies are unimportant because we know that, biblically speaking, there's going to be a final resurrection. And we're going to receive what the Bible calls a pneumatikos soma, which is a spiritual body. I don't think it's going to be the same body that we have now. Um, it's like I was telling people at the revival, uh, you know, weight loss industries are a billion-dollar business right now. Um, and so, you know, you, you eat this and not that, and then you exercise here and there. But, but imagine this. Jesus, if you want to see what the pneumatokosoma is going to be like, the resurrected body, glorified body, look look to Jesus' resurrection. He ate broiled fish and then was able to dematerialize. That's a weight loss program unlike anything else. That means I could go and eat a dozen donuts and just dematerialize just like that. Man, I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> I knew you were going there. I know we could go to every great restaurant in the world, man. So actually, eat all I mean, the I love steak. Meat. I love yeah. Eat all the steak yeah. we want, and then man, just like that, dematerials. But but you see, the Bible tells us this thing, this very thing. It's to be expected because God is spirit. Jesus says in John four twenty four, God is spirit, and those who worship Him worship Him in spirit and in truth. Then if we flip over to Genesis chapter one, verse twenty seven, we see this. Let me flip over here to it. Genesis one. Um, well. Genesis one twenty seven. Front of the book there. Yeah, there, Brian. I'm having that's, trouble that's the getting front. there. Says uh, <laughs> so, so. God created man, and uh, in, in His own image. So He created them in His own in the in the image of God. He created them male and female, both made in the image of God. So God is spirit. Those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. He makes us in His own image. This this shows us that we've got a spirit, we've got a soul, and so this is to be expected. And so these near-death experiences only validate and verify what the Bible already identifies to be true, that we are more than just our bodies. And I think this pneumatokosoma, to be honest with you, is... It's going to have a tinge of physicality to it, but I think it's going to be an infusion of, of spirit and matter in a way that's just going to absolutely baffle our minds. I mean, so we have a body and a soul within our body. We're going to eventually leave the body behind for a, for a period of time and become a disembodied soul. But then we're going to reunite with a body, and the body and spirit are going to somehow or another unite in a f form and fashion unlike anything we could ever think or imagine. So it's going to be a body, but it's not going to be exactly like the body we have. It's, the best way to compare it is, is to think of a, cat of a caterpillar that becomes a butterfly. It, it's it's the still the same being, but it's a completely different form, uh, grander and greater than anything. So what you're, so what you're saying is you're going to be best on? It, we're gonna be what? You're gonna be the char the char the character guest on. <laughs> See, that's not character. what I thought you said. I thought you said something else far dirtier than that. And it's <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh, I thought my my Curtis, this is PG now, man. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah. Sorry. Oh. Go from the frog to the the prince. Yeah. What? What? what so. I remember us talking about this in a in a previous podcast, and I might butcher it just a little, but you you'll you'll pick up on what I'm saying is the 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 devil is a counterfeit. Mm-hmm. He's a counterfeiter. He's not a creator, right? Mm-hmm. And so we have this immaterial soul that goes on. That does not mean that. Um, that the new age immaterial belief, you know, in soul existence and, and those kind of things are actual, the same thing in any sort of way. Right. I'm, I'm not sure I'm following. I, I, so, so the new, so like our soul, our soul goes on, moves on. Right. And we're in this, we're in this then in this heaven it's not the same as what the new age is saying soul existence or um uh this this existence that then is is a part of um an outer realm it it really just depends on 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 how you view well, it just depends on. Honestly, it really kind of depends on the New Age belief because there's, it's the, yeah. You know, in some ways, New Age. There's so many varieties to New Age that it's almost like asking what's the the Baptist belief on on translations. I mean, there's like a hundred and thirty some <laughs> Baptist viewpoints. So you know, just to be fair, you know, there's there's some that are more that are some there are some that uh, incorporate Gnostic viewpoints in their belief system but the thing that ultimately with new age this that's um so much different and the otherness of it is that uh in in many ways there's this me focus or the god in me that it's not worshiping the the creator it becomes a worship of the self or it's more about a person working through whether it be knowledge or whether it be actions to find work oneself into heaven as it were, and so that's where you have these cases of reincarnation, um, you working your way through various lives to finally reach heaven, or something of this sort. Um, so, you know, I, I think that with both New Age philosophies and you know Judeo-Christian concepts and the soul survival perspective, you know, there is a type of otherness out there that there's something beyond the scope of of just this mere human world. But I think the difference is that in the Judeo-Christian worldview, the creation itself is going to be redeemed because God is in the amazing thing about what God's doing, if you look at the total picture of of Scripture, is that God is in a transformation work to bring everything into a new creation. He's going to that what he's doing now is he's restoring souls. Uh, resurrecting souls to be saved. He's he's going to eventually resurrect mm-hmm. the bodies to that glorified state. And then ultimately the Bible tells us that the creation itself, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven right. and the old earth have passed away. Right. So 
there's going to be the union of a form of physicality, uh, but it's going to be enmeshed with spirit to, to such a degree that it's going to be, I think, um, it's not going to be the same thing we see now. I think sometimes people think we're going to be resurrected, we're going to have the same old bodies, the same old thing, except it's going to be eternal. I don't think that's the case looking at Scripture. It's going to be so far elevated and so far grander and greater that while there's some tinge of physicality to it, it is, um, it's going to be far, it's going to be the difference of comparing to the, the moon to the sun in glory. It's going to be that big of a difference. Yeah. It's just going to be so, recreated. Do NDEs, right? Yeah, it's going to be recreated. Um, it's going to be new earth, new heavens, and new earth. So, do NDEs negatively impact any worldview? Yeah, and it does, and and this and it does for naturalism, and that's why naturalists fight so hard against NDEs. You know, have you ever stopped to wonder why so many? Uh, materialist, you mean? Yeah, yeah, natural, yeah, materialist. That's what I meant to say. Uh, yeah, good, okay. good, good yeah. call there. Uh, that's why so many materialists are uh, so bent on trying to explain NDEs away by hallucinations or by um, chemical reactions, acid trips, or something like that, or electrical impulses. Some people even argue that the there's so much electricity sent through the brain at the end of death. Uh, at the time of death, that um, that this is what causes these experiences. Again, that cannot account for the objective data that we have. Uh, furthermore, Jeffrey Long, Eb, and Alexander both state that at the time of death, the only part of the brain that's working at that time, everything begins to shut down, and to the po- only thing that's working is the most primitive part of the brain i think it's called the cerebral uh, cerebral cerebral cortex i believe is what it's called this is the section that basically controls motor controls it is not the occipital lobe where vision's found it's not some of these other lobes parietal lobes it it is it is just what controls the heartbeat and the lung functions uh the blood pressure and what keeps the body going jeffrey long said in his book that the electrical activity produced by that portion of the brain is nowhere close to providing the electrical impulses and the chemical reactions to produce the type of things that's been said by the, the materialists to uh, produce these events. And that's when somebody's had an ease, a near-death experience, is when they've been at that state where that, that's the only function left within the brain. Yeah, Eben Alexander even said he, you know, he's uh, he's got a um, fam- famous um, encounter, and the th- the, well, he had a near death experience, met a loved one that he didn't even know had died, um, and uh, the interesting thing is that the whole time that he had these encounters, that his brain was hooked up to electrodes. And the only electrical activity in his brain at all was in that cortex we mentioned, the part that operates the most primitive part of the brain, they call it, uh, the part that operates the motor controls. Nothing, nowhere else. There's no signs of anything anywhere else. Just that one little section that controls the motor controls. That's it. Hmm. Amazing. So then what do NDEs tell us about heaven and hell? 
I think as as we mentioned, it, it serves as an apologetic for an afterlife. And I think that the the fact that you have people having these experiences of heaven, I think the fact that even that you have, and we don't we didn't really go into this, the fact that you have people talking about some hellish experiences that they had, um, this tells us that there, there is an eternity out there, and uh, this really coheres with what the Bible warns us and tells us about. And life is, uh, this may be scary for some, but I, th- I find it encouraging to know that life doesn't end at death. In fact, I heard someone say that uh, when you're born, you begin to die, but when you die, you really begin to live. And I like that. I think there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, if you're a Christian and you're a believer and you're right with God, that especially holds true that when you, you're born on this earth, you begin to die. But when you die, you begin to live for life or eternity. And, um, mm. you know, I, I think that's why so many people have, uh, who've had these encounters have really, uh, <laughs> they've really given their lives over to God and, and had a far more, yeah. a far stronger relationship with them than they even before when they had, before yeah. they had the ex- experience. Yeah, that's good. Well, that's the end of our podcast here. Is there any any um, parting last statements or, or uh, encouragements you want to give to our listeners that uh, um, that you feel that we may want to just do it to close this uh, this series out? Yeah, I would just encourage people that you know if if you are skeptic if you if you are skeptical about this look at look at the objective evidence. You don't have to be frightened of these things, and, and I think that the, the thing that really has irritated me in the times past is that there are people who, and I don't mean to criticize, uh, but there are people who tend to quickly jump on the bandwagon, calling things occultic or calling things new age just because we don't understand them. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we've got to be careful for the very same reason, Curtis, you mentioned at the outset of the podcast, that with the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they were calling the things that the Spirit of God were do, the, the Spirit of God was doing through Jesus from the hands of Beelzebub when it was in fact the hands of God in operation. And I hadn't thought about that, and I think that's a very good point. We've got to be careful with that. Um, if God is being glorified through these encounters, if people are coming to know God in a more personal fashion, then you have to really question whether or not. Uh, those objections hold. Uh, but but without going back into that, again, I, I would just tell people the thing that I would really hang on to through these encounters and these experiences is that there is a life beyond this one. There's good, solid evidence supporting that fact. Ultimately, it comes down to a matter of trust. If, you know, We call it faith, some people do. But it's ultimately a matter of trust in God and trust in His promises in the end. But I think that we have good, solid, evidential uh, reasons for believing that life continues beyond the scope of this mere mortal life. And I think NDEs provide a strong case for that being the case. That's good. Well, there you have it, folks. That's the end of our uh, NDE series. Um, Go back and, and listen to them. Take notes. Um, ask questions look at all the the stuff that we have listed Um, it's it's well worth the time and and, uh, maybe even pick up and research some of this yourself so 
But we here at Bellator Christie want to thank you for spending time together with us, and we value that time. Our prayer is that this podcast helps stretch your mind and is a place to strengthen your faith as we strive to create an atmosphere of discussion and as a reliable source of information. Join us next time on the Bellator Christie Podcast. Until next time, Brian and I say, Soldier on, friends. listening to the Bellator Christie podcast brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. The opinions of our guests represent their own and may not reflect those of Bellator Christie Ministries or its affiliates. The Bellator Christie podcast and bellatorchristie.com are protected under Creative Commons copyright, all rights reserved. The opening theme is the song Crucified, written by John and Michaela Limanis, performed by Crosby Lane and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit our YouTube page at www.youtube.com forward slash Bellator Christie. Also, please consider leaving a positive review on the apps where this podcast is found. We thank you for joining us today and hope to see you back the next time that we step into the arena of ideas. Hi, I'm Dave Baggett. I'm the director of the Center for the Foundations of Ethics, previously called the Center for Moral Apologetics, at Houston Baptist University, which in this fraught cultural moment of eroding moral foundations exists to explore the ultimate questions about ethics. What explains intrinsic human value, for example, or what accounts for authoritative moral obligations or essential human equality or basic human rights? We aim to foster a community of scholars from an array of disciplines to delve into these questions with care and rigor. In the process, we hope to highlight the evidential significance of bedrock and axiomatic moral truths when it comes to matters of the human condition and ultimate reality. In June of 2022, we will be kicking off our certificate program in moral apologetics, a four-course sequence on the history of the moral argument, a course defending moral realism, a course defining and defending theistic ethics, and a course that reveals the shortcomings of secular ethical theories. So check it out on the HBU website and at our own website, moralapologetics.com. Have you ever wondered about the Christian faith but have become bogged down by difficult terminology? Are you a Christian and faced doubts and you didn't know where to turn? Maybe your faith has been challenged and you don't know how to respond. Or perhaps you desire to learn more about how to winsomely defend your faith, but you do not have the time nor the finances to enroll in seminary. If any of these situations describes you, then consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics. This book confronts the challenges facing the Christian faith, but does so in a way that is accessible to everyone. The Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics is available in softcover, hardcover, on the Kindle, and Nook. Consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics from your favorite bookstore today.